Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome again uh, to this special time. Thank you so much for choosing to celebrate Good Friday here with us tonight. Um, If you weren't with us last night, we had the opportunity to sit down with the apostles Peter and John um, as they recounted what happened the week of Jesus' death and resurrection. So last night, they shared about the final meal that they had with Jesus and about how Jesus at that meal um, showed them what true leadership looked like as he washed their feet. They shared about how Jesus transformed that meal um, and how he gave it new meaning and said, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my blood that's shed for you, Um, anticipating what was to come um, and how he instituted what we celebrate every Sunday as communion. Uh, Peter and John also shared how how they went from there, the disciples. um, They left that meal and they went to one of Jesus's favorite places to pray, the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, And it was there that Jesus was betrayed by one of his best friends, uh, one of the disciples named Judas. And Peter shared about how that night, not just Judas, but all the disciples abandoned Jesus. And even Peter, even passionate Peter, denied that he even knew Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. And so tonight, again, our setting is 15 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Peter and John are getting together again tonight at the pub to continue discussing the events of that week that changed everything. Let's listen in. Peter. John, my friend, good to be together yeah, again. It is good to see you again. Some wine? Sure, I'd love some. That was so good last night. So, you know, after yesterday, you know, I hope you had a chance to rest last night and, you know, have a little time in the city, kind of, you know, reminisce about old times. Did everything go well for you? You know, unfortunately, I could hardly sleep last night as I reflected on our conversation and just thinking back to to that last supper with Jesus and then all that transpired afterwards where we found ourselves in the Garden of Gethsemane with him and, and just one simple request that he had and that was for us to pray and yeah, we couldn't stay awake. And I thought about how cowardly I was as I as I followed him to Caiaphas's house at a distance, I thought I was so much stronger, so much more courageous than that. And then as he went inside to be interrogated, and I was outside there in the inner court, and you know, finally the rooster crowed, and I was reminded that Jesus had predicted that I'd deny him three times before the rooster crowed. It was a devastating event, and I just just couldn't rest as I reflected on all of it. Well, Peter, you, you and you've got to you got to find a way to let that go. You know, you remember that that Jesus forgave you for that. And, you know, if, 
you can't you can't keep that for yourself if if Jesus didn't hold on to that. You yeah. know you you know we talked about it last night. You you've had pride issues your whole life, and you know that's keeping you from accepting that that gift of freedom that Jesus granted us. You know that day fifteen years ago. You gotta you know it's not your fault. I, I know you're right, but sometimes it, it's. The most difficult thing to forgive yourself. Yeah, that's true. You know, especially when um, you know that Jesus suffered mm. because of my own betrayal, my own abandonment of him. Yeah, but he didn't suffer just because of your betrayal and abandonment. That didn't, you know, lead to his suffering and ultimate death. It was you know, my betrayal and abandonment. And, you know, every man, woman, and child's betrayal and abandonment that's ever walked the face of this earth. It's not just you, Peter. Yeah, again, I, I know that. I know that cognitively, but um, to have to have sat through that, yeah. to have watched all of it transpire, to ha- have seen the pain of it, just as you and I did, it, it's still just difficult to yeah. accept. No, that, that, that is true. I suffer from that too. But, you know, as painful as it is, and I, last night was difficult for you um are are you okay if we you know kind of continue on i'd like to talk a little more about it if you're up for it yeah i think that would be good i've actually found it to be sort of therapeutic as we're we're talking through it if i um if i remember where we left off i i think it was again just after the rooster had crowed and, and i looked in and i saw jesus and our eyes met and and it just broke me, yeah. and I fell on my knees, and I just began to weep uncontrollably. And and I know that everybody standing around the fire was looking at me, just wondering what in the world is going on with this guy. And then um, all the attention quickly turned from me to to Jesus. There was a commotion going on inside, and um, it. The chief priests and all the religious leaders they had come to a decision that despite. All the false testimony, all the lies, they were determined. Yeah, they were determined. To put Jesus to death. It was awful. And then what took place, the the guards blindfolded Jesus, and they began to mock him, and they began to strike him, and to spit upon him, and they, they were... Asking him, prophesy, prophesy, who is it that hit you? And they would hit him again and again and again. I, I, I was so thankful that finally the chief priest stopped it. God, that, because again, they had arrived at that decision. Yeah, that, had, that had to have been awful to witness our friend getting uh, ridiculed and beaten like that. I, I felt powerless in, in the midst of it all. And then, you know, they, they were determined to... To, to put him to death, but they didn't have the power, yeah, right? They, they lacked the power to put Jesus to death, but they came up with a scheme that involved the Roman authorities. Yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, that, it's, it's really, really sad to see, you know, when you see people that are supposedly love God and serve God that... Um, you know, they're blinded to the truth and then they become, you know, just come pawns in Satan's, Satan's game. I agree. And it's something I think that all of us have to be yeah. on guard against. Oh, I mean, none of us are above it. And 
So then these men, they, they thought what they were yeah. doing was right. But, was but it was so all so wrong. I mean, they were, they were fooled. And then they took Jesus and they paraded him all the way down to the governor, to Pontius Pilate, who had come in town for the Passover feast because he, he was fearful that there might be an uprising. Yeah, oh, no, yeah I'm sure... You know, he lived, he lived up at Caesarea, and I'm sure word had gotten up there to him that Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and, and then with the fact there were you know, hundreds of thousands of Jews right. in the city, um, and then there's all this commotion around Jesus. You know, I, I understand why he was concerned and wanted to be, you know, be present, make sure things didn't get too far out of hand. Yeah, you know, Pilate, he was ambitious. Yeah. I mean, he was an ambitious yeah. man. He was a people pleaser, yeah, and... and I know that he just wanted to keep the peace. He wanted to make sure that if there was a riot, that he could quell it. And, and that's what makes um, his handling of this situation so interesting. Yeah, no, and I, yeah, and I remember it well because I arrived shortly after Jesus was you know, presented to Pilate. And you know, the religious leaders, you know, that originally they were accusing Jesus of blasphemy for his claims of being God in the flesh, which you and I both know he, he was. was. That was a true claim, but they realized that that was never going to be enough to uh, sentence him to death. So then they made up these false claims of that he was opposed to paying taxes to Caesar. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, Took and Arius. Yeah, and and so <clears throat> Pilate you know, he went to Jesus and he said, "You know, are you the King of the Jews?" Mm-hmm. He just came out and asked him, and you know Jesus's response was similar to you know, a lot of his responses like that. He said, "It is as you say." Um, and you know, Pilate, even still, that was still not grounds for punishment under the Roman right. Roman laws. So Pilate, and they were accusing Jesus of you know trying to incite these uprising against Caesar, and he couldn't find any grounds for that either. It was all made up lies. So Pilate went back to those religious leaders, and he he told them, he said, "I find no basis for any charges against this man, Jesus." You know, but I don't know if I've ever seen a group so determined as those religious leaders. They kept on pushing. So they, they insisted that Jesus was stirring up people all over Judea. Right. You know, from Galilee where he started, he was teaching and, and, and talking to these people all the way down to Jerusalem. And, you know, but little did the religious leaders know that, you know, when, when they brought up the fact about Galilee, they'd given Pilate an out. You know, they'd given him an opportunity to That's possibly right. get out of the situation because you know, it wasn't it, his jurisdiction. It was, was it was out of his jurisdiction. So, with Jesus being a Galilean, King Herod was in charge right. of, of that region of um, the country at the time. So, Pilate said, "Let's send Jesus over to Herod and let him deal with this problem and wash my hands of it." Again, he he is, or at least was, a was. shrewd politician. Yeah, he, he definitely was. So. You know, I, I wanted to see what happened at, at Herod's place, so I followed the crowd. And when they got to King Herod's palace, you know, I, we couldn't go in, but you know, we waited outside. And their servants would would share information. They'd come out and tell us what was going on. And you know, little did we know, you know, Herod was he was fascinated by Jesus. He'd always wanted to meet him. He'd heard about his miracles, and I heard about that. He was even, you know, he he thought that. You know, he'd be able to get Jesus to perform a miracle for him when he came in there. Yeah, sort of like a circus performance. Yeah, like a yeah, like a maybe a bearded lady, something yeah, like that. Who but, knows? Um, but he, you know, not only did he not perform any miracles for Herod, 
he refused to speak or answer mm. any of his questions. Must have infuriated him. Oh, he was he was so ticked. And so then he and his guards, you know, they, they had enough of it. They weren't playing his games anymore. And so they started making fun of him. And, you know, right before they, they sent him back, they dressed him in a royal, eloquent robe and said, here you go, Pilate, you can have Jesus back. Mm. <sighs> but, you know, what, one of the amazing things about that day is, um, you know, a lot of people didn't realize it, but Herod and Pilate, they were political enemies. Right, adversaries. They, they, they did not <clears throat> like each other, but after this day and this encounter, the two actually became friends, all because of Jesus in this situation. You know, isn't it odd? Jesus has a way of bringing people together. Even the most unlikely people come together because of Jesus. Absolutely. And, and not even believers. Right. Absolutely. And then, so Pilate, when he sees Jesus and the guards coming back to him, he's, he's shaking his head. And, you know, he, he was not excited in the least to see Jesus. Because um, he didn't want to be responsible for the fate of Jesus. But on the other hand, he also didn't want to be responsible for an uprising of the people that were upset about all this. So, you know, he, he told the religious leaders, he said, not only myself, Pilate, but also King Herod, neither one of us find any evidence that warranted Jesus' death. But, you know, you know, that didn't, that didn't appease the religious leaders, did it? No, they, were, they were intent. I mean, they were going to have Jesus put to death no matter what. They, they, were, they were determined, and they continued to press Pilate and press him. You know, and, and they're pushing his buttons, you know, his, his Roman buttons mm -hmm. saying, you know, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. You know, and that, that always you know, gets him a little bit. And then, you know, he said, you know, anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Absolutely. You know, but so Pilate was like, man, I got to do something different. So he, he came up with this other good idea. He seemed said, like a good idea. It seemed like in his mind, he thought it was a good idea. Right. So there's a, there's a tradition the Roman tradition that on Passover they would offer up a, a prisoner, a Jewish prisoner, to the people every year, kind of as a peace offering, right. you know, an olive branch to, to hold out. So, you know, this year they had, you know, they had Jesus, and then there was this other man named Barabbas. You remember Barabbas? That was one bad man. Yeah, he was thief, murderer, you know, you name it. He he pretty much did it. And yeah, he needed to be put to death. He was he was behind bars for a reason, and so he offered Jesus and Barabbas to the crowd and. You know, there, he didn't think there was any chance that... Um, you lost your... Yeah, it was getting a little hot. You wouldn't think it, there would be a chance that they'd choose Barabbas over Jesus. Right. Like, who wants a, a murderer, thief, you know, running Free around the town? Yeah. Absolutely nobody. No, it's, that's a bad news. So, you know, he said, man, this is, this is going to work. But yeah, he was wrong. You know, the religious leaders, somehow, they convinced the crowd to call for the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. You know, it's unbelievable. You know, his second plan backfired. And so then he's sitting in the judgment seat trying to figure out, man, what am I going to do next? Mm. And his wife, she sends him a message. And she says, do not have anything to do with this innocent man. I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. So his wife was warning him, giving him some, some good spousal advice. And he didn't listen. He, he didn't listen. That is a mistake. Let me tell you, if I've learned anything, it's listen to my wife. I, I, it, that's, right, you do not go against you know, your wife. We all, we all Pilate obviously lesson. did not learn that he lesson. did not learn that lesson. It, did, it didn't turn out no, good for it him. it never does. So, Trust me, it never does. So, 
So instead of listening to his wife, he gave in to the crowd. Yeah. So they, the, and the religious leaders kept inciting them to call for Barabbas to be set free. And so Pilate said, well, if I set Barabbas free, what am I going to do with Jesus? And, you know, it, and these two words, I still wake up at night in cold sweats thinking of these chants. Yeah. And, when, and they said, crucify him. And Pilate said, but, but why? What crime has Jesus committed? And they didn't even bother to respond. They just said, crucify him, crucify him. And it, I don't think I'll ever get those chants out of my ears. No, I, you know, neither will I. I obviously was quite a bit further away, but I remember hearing those words as well. And it was unbelievable to think that just a few days earlier that the crowds had gathered and they were chanting and they were shouting, but they were shouts of praise. They were, they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were shouting for Jesus to save them and they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And now, how quickly they had turned against him. And they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. It shows you how people can be swayed so, so easily. I know, it's, it's both sad and scary all at the same time. But, you know, and, and clearly, Pilate, he believed in Jesus' innocence. He did. He was looking for every way to free him. But, you know, he, he got to the point where he, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd and he said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. I almost couldn't believe what I heard coming from the crowd then. And then they just shouted back to him and they were like, well, let his blood be on us. And, and then this is what got me. And on our children. And on our children, they called a curse upon themselves and upon their children. Clear, clearly, they hadn't thought through what they were saying. Oh. You know, to not only would they suffer the consequences of that decision, but then, like you said, to, to curse their innocent children and bring that upon them as well was just unfathomable. Hmm. You know, there's another thing that I just didn't understand because I, I believe wholeheartedly that that Pilate wanted to set Jesus free. He believed that he was innocent. But again, he succumbed to the crowd. But why? Why did he think it was necessary to have him flogged before he was crucified? Why would he submit Jesus to that kind of torture? I don't know, but I'll tell you, the, the sight of Jesus' flesh being ripped off mm. his back and his shoulders, that cat of nine mm. tails that whip with the bone and the metal and the glass in it just ripping his skin to shreds it it was too gruesome to even watch and, and they beat him so badly he was hardly alive when they finished yeah and then to make it even worse he was then handed over to an entire company of, of the governor's soldiers, about 70 men, and they stripped him down and put that purple robe on him, and then they twisted together this crown of thorns and, and pressed it down into his 
flesh into his forehead, into his scalp until there was just blood trickling down. They uh, gave him a staff. Mm-hmm. And they began to mock him. They bowed down before him and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they began to, to beat him with, with that staff. Yeah. And they mocked him and they spit upon him. And this went on and on and on until it was time to crucify him. And then they took the robe off and put his blood-stained clothes back on him and, and let him out to be crucified. Yeah. I, I remember looking down at the praetorium and I, I saw this group of soldiers and you know, emerged from there, and there was a there was a man, unrecognizable from mm. the blood and the bruises, and it was Jesus. Mm. And then two of the biggest guards you've ever seen take this giant wooden splintered rough crossbeam mm. and lay it on Jesus's shoulders. You know, no healthy man would be able to carry that um, that weight of that crossbeam, but much less one that was, you know, hardly clinging to life. Yeah, I'm so thankful that, that Simon of Cyrene was there and that he was able to, to take Jesus' cross upon himself and carry it for him. My only regret is, is that I wasn't that man, that I didn't bear Jesus' cross because he's borne all of my burdens. He's always been there for me. I'm right there with you. You know, and then there's this long, steady, slow climb to the top of Golgotha, you know, the place of the skull. Um, and it, it reminded me of just a few days earlier when Jesus was coming into the city and the crowds were shouting Hosanna and cheering for him. The streets were lined and waving palm branches, but the streets were lined again and there were people, but this time instead of cheering for him, they were insulting him and cursing him and instead of palm branches, they were throwing rotten fruit mm-hmm. at him. You know, if if they only had a little bit of inkling to know that all of his suffering was for their sake, I don't think they would have been doing that. So sad how they just got Mm. caught up in it all. You know, I picture the scene from the top of Golgotha, and at one point it was a beautiful place. It it overlooks all of Jerusalem. You can see the entire city from there. Over to the, the left, you see, you know, the palace, Herod's palace. It's so tall and proud. You see the praetorium, and then as you look down further, down into the Kidron Valley, you can see the Garden of Gethsemane just to your left. And then over here to your right is Caiaphas's house. And then right in the center is the temple. And then if you look into the distance, just to the right, you see the Mount of Olives where Jesus had come into town and processed down to Jerusalem. Such a beautiful sight, but it had been turned into such an ugly place. I can only imagine Jesus perched on the cross looking over this kingdom and weeping, weeping for the lostness of it. Yeah, I, I was there at the cross. I watched with 
Jesus' mother Mary and her sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene is they nailed his hands into the cross mm. and and then they nailed his feet. Mm. And then Pilate, you know, he had them make a sign that said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, and they nailed it to the top of the cross above his head. Oh, I know the religious leaders hated that. Oh, yeah. But I, I think that might have been Pilate's one act of, you know, made him feel better. I don't know yeah. what he was. He acknowledged who he was. But, you know, they, and then they did offer one act of mercy to Jesus. You know, they took wine mixed with gall and um, tried to give it to him to relieve some of the suffering and pain that he was, he was in. But, you know, as soon as Jesus took a, you know, took a sip, he, he refused the drink. Yeah, he wanted to, to keep his mind yeah. clear of it. Even he wouldn't even take any relief no, from the pain. No, he was he was bearing all that pain for us. Mm. And then they they took that cross and they slowly lifted it up. And then they 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 violently dropped it in that hole. And when that cross hit that hole, his I swear Jesus' shoulders dislocated from the impact of um, coming down on there. And, you know, he, he was in visible agony and pain. But he turned to his father and said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And even, even, I know, and even so, the soldiers were taking his bloody clothes and Splitting them up into four shares and casting lots for them, and you know, I'll never forget that expression of sadness and compassion on Jesus' face when standing next to Mary, and we looked up at him, and he looked at his mother Mary, and then at me, and he said, "Dear mother, here's your son," and then to me, he said, "Here is your mother," you know, from. From that time on, I took Mary into my home and cared for her like like my own, you know, just up until she passed away a few months ago. You know, I mean, isn't that just like Jesus? He was always thinking of others. Even in the midst of his greatest agony, he had others on his mind, his mother Mary. And, and I got to commend you, John, for, for being willing to take her into your home and caring for her for so many years. Well, like, you know, like we talked about last night, that... Caring for the mother of the Messiah was one of the greatest honors of my life. Mm. Hey, you remember those two thieves that were crucified yeah. on either side of yeah. Jesus? Yeah, no, I sure do. Do you remember what they said? <laughs> remember that whole discourse there? Absolutely, yeah. The, the one on the left, now, he, he was a bad man too. He was a bad man too. And the whole time they're he and Jesus are side by side being crucified and he's still hurling insults at Jesus. You know, telling him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. But, but the one on the right, right, he said, he rebuked the other criminal and said, don't you fear God? You know, since you are under the same sentence, you know, we are being punished justly because we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man, Jesus, he has done absolutely nothing wrong. Isn't it amazing that he was able to acknowledge that? Yeah, as, it is amazing. And then, you know, and then he, he went to Jesus at the cross, and he said, Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the next thing is, it shouldn't surprise me, but it, but it did at the time. And Jesus looked at him and said, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This man was going to be with Jesus. What a beautiful thing. And, and that's one of the great things that paradise awaits all of us, every one of us that follow Jesus, that surrender our lives to him. Amen to that. You sound a little like a Baptist there, John. No, 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 no. You, you've got me confused. That was the other uh, John. The remember? other John. Gotcha, remember. Gotcha. Uh, hey, well, you know, that thief wasn't the only one mocking Jesus in, in this terrible time. I, I remember, again, watching from a distance, which, which I regret. But the people would just sort of stream by Jesus, and, and they were hurling insults at him. And I remember one of them saying, you who said you would destroy the temple and raise it in three days, why don't you come down off the cross if you are the son of God? They, they didn't understand, did they? They didn't. And then what about the chief priests and the religious leaders mocking him and saying, you saved others, why don't you save yourself? You know, he's the king of Israel. You know, let him come down now, and then we will believe in him. Clearly, they, it didn't no. matter what he did. No. They weren't going to believe. No. You know, if I were Jesus, I would have come down there and oh, opened up a can on him. I'm <laughs> telling you. Like, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But it's, again, it shows how loving and compassionate he was, that he didn't, no. didn't come for himself. He came even for those who would mock yeah. him, who would ridicule him, who would spit upon him. Yeah. He loved them like, like I know nothing of. Yeah. Yeah, and then they said more. You know, they said, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. God could have hit them with a lightning bolt and it all would have been over. But that wasn't the, that wasn't the plan. Not at all. Hmm. I'll tell you. You know, as I have grown in compassion over the years and begun to see people through the eyes of Jesus, my, my heart actually breaks for those folks. And, and I, I really dread the day that they end up standing before the throne of judgment and they come face to face with the risen Jesus and they recognize how wrong they were and they have to suffer the consequences of all of their words and all of their deeds. Yeah, yeah no, I, what a sad day. I sure wouldn't want to be those guys. Absolutely not. You know, and you know, then the end came. Mm. You know, darkness covered the earth for three hours since Jesus had been hanging on that cross. It was like an eclipse. That, that wouldn't end. It was at biblical proportions. Truly. Some may say. And then, but Jesus' anguish was so great. He cried out. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, as he bore the pain and suffering, but not of his physical right. wounds, but the sins of all mankind. 
You know, Jesus had fulfilled all that the scriptures had written of the Messiah's death. But there was one act of fulfillment that still had to be done. And he said, I'm thirsty. Simple statement. Mm. And there was some cheap wine there, and a, a generous man took a, he took a sponge and dipped it in it and took a hyssop branch and, and held it up to Jesus' mouth and let him take a drink. And as soon as Jesus drank, he said, it is finished. And then Jesus mustered every last ounce of energy he had left and called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he bowed his head and he breathed his last breath. You know, what happened next was truly earth-shaking. I mean, the entire place began to shake. It, it shook so violently that the stones were broken open, that, that, that tombs were, were opened, that dead, holy dead people rose from the grave in that moment, that, that the, the curtain, this thick black curtain that separated um, the presence of God from the people in the temple was torn into not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom by the hands of God, symbolizing that now, because of the sacrificial death of Jesus, we could now freely enter in to the presence of God. No longer do we need a priest to intercede for us. It was powerful. And then I, I remember seeing the centurion and those other soldiers who had been casting lots yeah. for his clothes. They were overwhelmed with fear. They were overwhelmed with awe. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the words that he uttered. Surely he was the Son of God. Yeah. yeah it, and it, it was about three in the afternoon, mm -hmm. and the Sabbath began at sundown. So there are only a few hours left to get Jesus' body down from the cross and, and get him buried. But fortunately, Joseph of Arimathea, you know, the, Great guy. yeah, wealthy, wealthy community leader, and um, and a secret follower of Jesus, right. you know, he was there, and he went to Pontius Pilate along with Nicodemus, the Pharisee. Yeah, came at night. yeah he came to see Jesus that one night, and they went and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate couldn't believe that he was already dead, but he agreed to to let Joseph take the body. And Joseph had recently purchased a, a tomb for himself, you know, a new tomb. And so they took Jesus' body and, you know, gathered together some spices and kind of tried to figure out how to prepare the body correctly to, to put him in there, not really knowing what they were doing, but they put him in the tomb. and Did the best they could. Yeah, they did the best they could for a couple of guys and yeah. rolled the stone across. And fortunately, you know, the ladies were, they'd followed and watched because they wanted to see where Jesus had been buried and, they saw how inadequate the men had prepared the body, so they, one word for it. they went and got their own spices, and they were going to come on Sunday morning and, and do it the right way. Yeah. Are you not thankful for women? I mean, they are forever coming behind us and fixing our messes. I mean, look at what these women did for Jesus. We, we couldn't do it without them, could Absolutely we? Absolutely not. Well, amen to women. Amen.
There's that Baptist coming out of me again. The, uh, hey, this has been good. Uh, what do you think about us getting together on Sunday morning? Let's come together early. Let's have some breakfast together and, and let's celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because to be honest, as painful as it's been talking about all this, the one thing that keeps me going is knowing that there's oh, good yeah. news yeah. yet to come. Like, this is the best end is the to best. a horrible story. It is the best end to a horrible story. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Count me in. What, all right. What time do we need to be here on Sunday? Well, I'm afraid it's sunup. Okay, I'll be here. But for the other people, 9 and 11. Oh, perfect. All right. Perfect. All right, until then, my brother. All right. Peace. Have a great night.